My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 124. Well, one of the hazards of cleaning out your office in the morning when you are a keeper of things, like me, you know, I don't keep everything. I don't keep bits of garbage and stuff like that. I'm not a hoarder in that sense. But if it has any kind of emotional attachment, it's hard for me to pitch it. And so uh, I started last night or yesterday evening and uh, concluded this morning. And by, well, just I stopped uh, tearing up about mm, five minutes ago. It's hard sometimes because my parents kept a lot of stuff. And I find these pictures, I found this group of pictures when we opened, well, when we broke ground for the dealership I'm sitting in right now, which is Gateway Ford. Back then it was Gateway Ford Lincoln Mercury. Well, Lincoln's gone. Mercury's gone. Somebody's selling Lincoln. Uh, Most of the dealers that I know of, especially in our market area, have given up the Lincoln franchise. But at that time, that's what we had. But we were breaking ground. And I found this group of pictures, and it was me and my son who passed away, my mom who's gone now, my dad who's gone now, my daughter Abby who thankfully is still here working with me. And it just set me off. So I'm, I'm better. You know, sometimes you just have to fast forward and, and not look in the rearview mirror too much, but it's hard. Like I say, if you were to come down, and I invite you to come down to Greenville and visit with me, uh, I'd love showing off some of the, not showing off, showing some of the cars and stuff that I talk about on the radio show. I've got a really cool display in the Ford showroom, and then I have that 78280Z with 68,000 miles on it in a Nissan showroom. And then you come back into my office, and it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a museum, a little bit. But that's my comfort zone, and my wife says that's my junk zone. I call it my museum, though. The museum of my fam in the car business. So anyway, I am better, and we're going to talk about some stuff that will benefit you in your car life, because that's what we do. You know, a lot of car dealers um, misbehave, and we've talked about that a lot on this radio show. They take advantage. They push the envelope. They've figured out ways to justify it in their minds. Typically, it's not the dealer. It's not the guy who owns the store. It's some of the yahoos that work for them. You know, we hire from a pool of people who have either zero car experience or a lot. And a lot of the folks with a lot of car experience have uh, experience from dealerships where they have pushed the envelope of legality and ethics beyond where, you know, most customers would feel comfortable and would agree with. And, you know, it's just... It's just not right, some of the things that happen. And so we're going to talk about some of those specific things. It's a, it's a heads up going into the fall selling season. This is a pretty good time of the year to sell cars. Now, granted, with the UAW strike, kind of a big problem um, if it's a union shop. And plus, a lot of the suppliers that supply non-union manufacturers are shut down because they don't have they they can't get the economies that they normally get when they have the the assembly lines go, going full blast. So it is affecting every manufacturer to a certain degree. The war in the Middle East or whatever you want to call it. It's got people jumpy. And then uh, just all the stuff that's on the media, you know, it just gets people irritated. Don't you think it does me? I mean, if I sit there and listen to it, it's the worst thing that I can do. 
So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about traps, traps that, that you can fall into if you're not paying attention. And even if you are paying attention, you still might not notice it because you trust, because you have faith in your fellow man. And sometimes that's justified. You know, I don't start off not trusting somebody. You know, when I go into a business or I have an interaction with another human being, I'm typically going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't really like it when somebody looks at me like, well, he's a car dealer. He's got to be a crook. You know, that's just, you can tell you get just the way they look at you, the way they speak to you. They're just always holding something back. I understand the reticence. I do. But it still hurts the feelings of somebody who uh, tries to do things right. But there's plenty that that do things wrong. And uh, let's get into that af- right after this break. Okay, I am back. I very much remember the first time that somebody really got on me and accused me of being a liar. And it was a car deal. Uh, we had, let's see, it was 1985, and we had sold a Camaro Z28 to a customer. I was the sales manager at the time. I was sitting in my office. Salesperson came in and said, Lenny, we got somebody on the demo. It was a demonstrator a Camaro Z28. And I said, well, just, you know, that's the one that was damaged. We just got out of the, out of the body shop. It basically, the salesperson had been driving it, and the weather was foggy, and he just misjudged the intersection, came to a, a stop sign. And it wasn't a four-way stop. It was just like a T, and he was on the vertical part. He slid through the intersection, dropped down into a ditch. It kicked the spoiler up. It broke the grill, and a piece of piece of plastic that surrounds the grill. Did not damage the hood, did not kick the fenders up. There was no frame damage or anything like that. There was some scuffing under there, but but no damage. Well, we ended up selling them the car, and I trusted my salesperson that he disclosed everything. That was before I got things in writing. So if you fast forward to today, anytime that, that we have a car that we know has had damage, like on Carfax, let's say we trade for something, we trade for your car, and you were in a little fender bender, then the Carfax is available to you to, to be able to check, and if anybody has any questions, we always disclose if there's been damage to a car. It just pays to do that, wouldn't you agree? Um, how do you interpret how serious the damage was? Well, it's kind of hard to from a Carfax. What we do is we do the research. We call the customer and say, do you have any records of when this car was repaired? We like to have pictures, and we like to have a copy of the estimate so that, you know, if you're buying a car that's been in an accident, then you know that it was, well, it was just a left front fender, or maybe a deer ran into the side of it, or the whole front end was knocked off and the airbags went off. Do you think there's a difference there? Yeah, I would want to know that. We didn't have Carfax in 1985, so the customer had no opportunity to check that out. All we had was the salesperson's word, my word. So I don't I don't remember exactly how much time elapsed, but I think it was less than 90 days. Customer comes back and says, I want my money back. Uh, they finally got to me, and you know I had him explain to me why he wanted his money back. And he said, because we sold him a wrecked car. I said, what car was it? 85Z28. I said, I remember that car. Um, That car just went into a ditch, but the salesperson said that he told you that we replaced all the parts. No, he didn't. He did not tell me that. Well, I called the salesperson in. Shouldn't have done that. 
That was my naivete. So he came in, and, and there was kind of a little bit of a shouting match. And I told the customer, I'm just going to have to side with my salesperson. That was a very costly move, Lenny Lawson. Yep. So probably within 60 days, I got the lawsuit in the mail. Or, no, served to me by a deputy sheriff. And it was uh, this guy was going to sue us, and he wanted his money back. He wanted to be, uh, what do they call it, right of rescission. So he wanted his down payment back, and he wanted to be able to turn the car in. I should have just said, okay, bring me the keys. Here's your money back. No, I wasn't smart enough to do that. I said, well, since I trust my salesperson, I'm going to go to court. And so we went to court, and that was probably one of the most stressful things I've ever been through. Well, let's just put, at that point in my life, that was one of the most stressful things that I'd ever been through, was going to court. I mean, we had to pick a jury and everything. And I'm sitting over there, and my lawyer, he was a nice guy, but he was a little uppity. He was not a country boy. If I could do that over again, I'd have picked a different lawyer. So he came across as a little bit arrogant, and I noticed that, and, and I just didn't see anybody on the jury that was really getting into him. And so to make a long story short, we lost. Not only did I have to give him his money back, but I had to pay him $25,000 in, in punitive damages because I did not let him rescind that case. Now, we appealed to, uh, I don't know what the first level of appeal was, I think the appellate court, and they sided with us that we still had to pay him restitution but no punitive damages. Well, he appealed that decision, and it went to the state Supreme Court. And you have me to thank for Tennessee law being changed that you can assess punitive damages on a right of rescission case. You're welcome. Yeah, that was very costly. So we got the car back. We paid him all of his money back, plus interest, plus $25,000. Back in 1980, well, that was probably 86, 87 by the time that all played out. Um, I was uh, pretty, pretty hurt, but I was glad it was over. We learned a valuable lesson. You don't uh, assume that somebody knows something. You ask. And one of the reasons I go through this is that uh, a lot of people just are too embarrassed to ask the question. You know, don't ever be embarrassed to ask a question that will could possibly keep you from going down the wrong path on a purchase decision. Has the car ever been wrecked? Do you have a Carfax? Uh, if the Carfax says that it was in an accident, they say, I, I, yeah, I remember now I just got hit, I think, a shopping cart. No, it wasn't a shopping cart. Had airbag deployment. You know, you just have to go the extra mile. Uh, what is it? Consumer beware? So dealers have to beware also. Now, can I sell you a car and not disclose damage that I don't know about? Yeah. I mean, that probably seems kind of obvious. But if, if you, I sell you a car and I didn't know it was damaged, I never pulled a Carfax, and uh, you end up buying it. Six months later, you pull a Carfax. You see that it's been damaged. You come in to sue me. Well, if I didn't know it, um, I probably should have, and most dealers will know. It's probably a bad example, but, yeah, you can't sue somebody for something they didn't know. Now, if it's pure negligence, I guess the court could side with them and say, well, they should have known that. And in today's environment, 
We should know that. I just bought a, what is it, 1997 F-350 crew cab dually with 68,000 miles on it. I bought it on a Bring a Trailer auction. Now, when you go to Bring a Trailer, which is a big auction site that I use all the time, they have about, I don't know, seven, 800 auctions going on at any one time. Uh, one of the features on that is you can pull a Carfax, or you can look at a Carfax. You can click on it. It gives you the basics. It doesn't give you full detail. Well, I pulled it up on this particular vehicle. No damage. Is that good enough for me? Nope. It's not. Because I, it's a pretty valuable vehicle, even though it's a night. Would you think a 97 uh, Ford F-350 truck would be worth $30,000? Probably you wouldn't unless you know trucks. And I know trucks. Especially heavy-duty trucks. So I knew that I wanted this thing, but also wanted to go an extra mile. So I sent a private message to the guy that was selling it. I said, has this thing ever been in an accident? Did it have any paint that's not original? He said, no and no. And uh, he was willing to stand behind that. He said the old gentleman that, that just traded it in to him, this guy was a dealer, has called him twice. I said, why did he call you? He wants to come see his truck again. Probably a pretty good sign. Now, is that a line... Is that just somebody saying something? Could be. But, you know, people just don't volunteer stuff like that. That's a little odd. You know, he wants to come see his baby again before it goes to somebody else. That's a pretty good sign. So we'll see. I sent some drivers after. They're going to go get it tomorrow. And uh, But, I, I'm, you know, doing your due diligence to make sure that you don't get taken advantage of on the front end pays big dividends on the back end. You know, when that thing arrives, and that's happened to me, I've, I've had one arrive and been sorely disappointed, and I was totally to blame because I did not go the extra mile in, in determining if the vehicle was as good as, as it was uh, purported to be. So you have to watch out for that. Other traps. We've been through a period of time where there have been a lot of dealer add-ons. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I didn't charge more than MSRP for some vehicles during the pandemic. I did because I was getting like two and three cars in a month and the vehicles that we didn't that we had in stock were increasing in value. I mean, we had dealers offering us $10,000 over window sticker for F150s. Now, we weren't selling them for that. For local customers, I mean, we were a little bit over or at MSRP, but we had to to survive. I mean, all the previous years in my career I mean, you're selling new vehicles for real close to the factory invoice, making maybe two and a half, three percent margin. It's just not, you know, when you have a real competitive environment, everybody has a lot of inventory. The manufacturers are throwing all kinds of rebates out there and low incentive. I mean, big incentives on uh, as far as rebates are concerned, and then uh, very low interest rates. I mean, customers can go anywhere and get it for invoice. So, you know, what are you going to do to stand out? But when you have a very low supply like we did, and very high demand. I mean, Broncos, still today on, on a Bronco Raptor, dealers will pay me. I don't. I haven't gotten one, but they'll pay me $20,000 over window sticker for it. And they're turning around and making money on it out in California somewhere. I mean, those people are crazy. We all know that. No offense, Californians. But still, you need to watch out for added options. What are you really getting? For your money. Now, there's there's front-end add-ons and there's back-end add-ons. Let's talk about the front-end. Front-end is going to be something that's either posted on the website or it's actually on the car as a supplemental window sticker or both. 
So if you see an extra sticker beside the sticker, uh, that is basically designed to create additional margin for the dealership so that they can make additional profit. Now, is there value there? Well, it depends on what it is. I mean, are they charging for a maintenance package? That is really an option. You know, do you have to buy the maintenance package? No. Now, if, if you ask the salesperson, say, what's this maintenance package doing on here? I do my own maintenance. Well, you can't buy the car without the maintenance package. But I don't need it. Yeah, but you can't buy it without it. Then that's one of those mandatory add-ons. Now, you know, you've got the choice. Are you going to take it? Are you going to pay it? Uh, what about uh, market value adjustment? You'll see that on a lot of window stickers. You know, they add $3,000 for the cost. What's that for? Uh, that's market value adjustment. What are you doing that for? Well, so that we can make more money. Don't you wish they'd just tell you the truth? You know, they say, well, it's because, you know, they're very short supply. That's really the true reason. There's very short supply, and they can get by with it. You know, they can sell it to another dealer in Alabama for more than they're charging you for it. Now, that is mitigating right now, folks. Thank goodness prices are coming down for the consumer, but these add-ons are still there. You may see something for paint protection film or ceramic coating, or undercoating, or, you know, vent shades and mud guards and bed li- spray and bed liner. You know, spray and bed liner is a real thing. You know, what does it cost? Eh, you know, four or $500 for a spray and liner. Now, if they have to sand it all down and all that stuff, if it's a used truck, it'll cost more. But four or $500 ought to cover a spray and bed liner. If they're charging $800 for it, or $1,500 for it, then they're adding extra margin to it. Is that negotiable, Lenny? Yes, it is. Everything on that sticker is negotiable. You don't have to pay it. You know, for that matter, is a dock fee, you know, a dock fee or a processing fee, is that negotiable? What did I just say? Everything's negotiable. It doesn't hurt to ask. You know, we have a processing fee. What's that for? Well, that's extra margin. You know, I mean, we can say it's for carrying the garbage out, but does it matter? You know, if if it's on there, and it's a fee that everybody pays, then the state of Tennessee says, hey, that's okay, you can charge a fee. You just have to be consistent with it. You can't discriminate who you charge a fee to and who you don't. Okay, what about these back-end charges? Well, that's what happens in the finance office, and that's where you buy extended warranties, gap insurance. You may buy a uh, maintenance plan, you know, that pays prepays for oil changes. You could buy something called, you know, they have different names for them, but they are Paint protection, wheel protection, tire protection, uh, loss of keys. Do you know how much keys are for a car? It's not like the old days where I'd cut somebody a key for $2.50, including labor, my labor. No, I mean, we have some keys that cost $600 for a key. If you lose that key, um, are you going to replace it? Well, if that leaves you with one and you need two, then yeah, you probably will, and you're going to be in shock when you go to get it. If you buy this extra coverage, it covers that. It covers if you scrub your wheels you know, at the bank teller window and you damage them. Dents and dings sometimes are covered by these policies. You know, what's that worth? Well, I mean, if you lose one key and the whole thing costs about the cost of one key, which is $600, if it covers you for five years or so, that could be some good coverage, especially for the wheel coverage. So those are back-end products, but you have the choice to buy those. They can't make you buy those. What happens, though, is a lot of dealers roll those into the monthly payment, and the customer doesn't realize it. That's called payment packing. That's illegal. Illegal. So watch out for that. Okay, I'll take my last break. Be back here in just a minute. 
Okay, I am back. You know, one of the biggest places that people get taken advantage of is on their trade value. Now, that's a real easy one to fix. All you have to do, if you have time, is to send me the information on your trade, and I'll tell you what it's worth because I'll write you a check for that amount. And you can take that to the dealer that you're going to buy a Honda at or a Toyota or Subaru and say, well, okay, you're not giving me enough for my car because I can get this in cash. Where? Oh, there's this guy on the radio. He said he'd pay it. So they may give you more. You know, you have to go in knowing what your vehicle is worth approximately. Now, is it worth different amount to different dealers? Yes, it is. If you're driving a, a full-size Chevy Silverado, it's worth more at a Chevy store than it is at a Dodge store or a Ram store. It just is because they have more buyers for Chevrolet trucks. You know, a lot of people don't switch brands, especially truck buyers. They're very loyal. And so if you're a Ford guy, you're a Ford guy. You're not buying a Ram, you know, unless they come out with some really, really special deal. And I know somebody did. Some people do switch brands, but not many. And so you need to go where you can get top dollar for your vehicle. So if you're thinking about, you know, buying a, a Ford and you have a Chevrolet truck, then you might want to go by the Chevy dealer and see what they'll give you for it. And look online, look at KBB and, and Edmonds and all the different sources that you can find. Uh, go to car gurus, go to some of the uh, websites that, that, you know, advertise cars and see what people are asking for cars. Car Gurus is a pretty good guide. Just put in the vehicle description. It'll tell you what a good deal, a fair deal, a bad deal. Those are all retail prices, but that's a good way to peg the value of yours as long as you're, you know, you're rating it the same way as they are in terms of condition, mileage, options. You know, a loaded up Platinum F-150 is worth a heck of a lot more than an XL model with no sunroof and no fancy wheels or anything and no leather. You've got to take that stuff into account. Mileage has, has a big effect on it. Huge effect as far as value. But if you're not sure about that kind of stuff, 423-552-2020. It's my phone number. It's the only one I got. Uh, email Lenny Lawson 2020 at gmail.com and I'll answer your questions about cars and your car life. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru and I'll see you tomorrow.